Hi, welcome to the We Shape podcast. I'm Katie. I'm here with Nina and Tyler. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hello, hello. We have a great guest today. Nina, you always find the best guests. I just, it's, it's just Instagram. It's my own Instagram. It has all these amazing people. I was going to say, how, how much of this is just you? It's just, just like, I don't really want to talk to this person. It'll be fun. It is a lot. There's a lot of that. I love it because like you show up fully knowing. Katie wants to be prepared. And I just sit down in the chair and say, what's what happening doing? right now? And it's, it's just our own style. I'm right? like super available for that and mildly triggered by that at the same time. <laughs> I'm just going to say because it just, it fits so aligned with like, Women prepare everything, so I don't. I don't know okay, if we should brag. Okay. I don't know if we should brag okay, about that. Sorry, okay. I'm. Ju- I just. I just want to. I'm. I'm okay with you doing it, but I just want to share our perspective. Like, <laughs> At least he's having fun. These women are just taking care of everything, and I just get to show up. So I'm just gonna call that out a tiny bit. <laughs> well, if I uh, had, if I had a man booking things, I would still just show up the way I'm showing up. So that's true. That might be a different problem. Okay. Okay. We're gonna let this that is go. not a podcast about the patriarchy. We promise. <laughs> We're gonna let this it go. This is a podcast about something else. People are done hearing me talk about the patriarchy. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter. Um, let it go. So I want to talk about who we're having on today. Yeah. Um, it's Nicole Cruz. She's a registered dietitian. I have some like really great questions that I really want to like touch with her on today. Um, I'm so. Because uh, you know we've had a, we've had a lot of intuitive eating experts on, but to have somebody who talks about intuitive eating but coming from the registered dietitian perspective is like a different lens. Mm. And so, because I'm always curious about how those two worlds come together. Totally. Yeah. Um. So yeah, why don't we start by let's let's do our bio, Nino. 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 That's a new name. I like that. Okay. Great. I'm gonna Did have you have a sip of my coffee. The adventures of of Nemo in Slumberland. What is that? That's a, I don't know. I digress. It was a comic book that I read when I was a kid. It's a great little thing. It's You've got so art. many little gems from your childhood. We should do a Nina's Childhood podcast one of these okay. days. That's a long podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a series. All right, let's do this bio. All right. I'm so excited to have Nicole with us today. So she is an MSRDN, which is a registered dietitian nutritionist, a mom of three, and a wife who takes an intuitive eating and non-diet approach to food. Her online practice is devoted to helping individuals and families reclaim their joy and find food freedom through one-on-one nutrition counseling and group programs. Whether you're parenting your child or reparenting yourself, Nicole is devoted to helping you foster a healthy relationship with food. Ooh, I know we all need a little bit of help with that. So we're so happy you're here, Nicole. Welcome. Reach that. Welcome, Nicole. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. We're really excited. And and I think here's why, um, for me personally. Uh, I used to be like a health nut. Uh, I would even venture to say that my thought processes were borderlining disordered eating around like, I can't have that. I can't like lots of rules, lots of energy, lots of time consumed by orthorexic, like adjacent for sure. For sure. And once I discovered, what like, is orthorexic adjacent? Well, that's a question for Nicole. Sorry. I know the word. I'll let her describe it. So once I discovered, once we started going a new path down a new path, and I started discovering intuitive eating and food freedom, and sort of like the reason I was doing those things were wrapped up in sort of like toxic messaging from toxic diet culture. And I, once I stopped getting validation internally like I it's like our society validated that experience but once I really checked in with myself and started saying like I do not feel good about this um then I was like oh everything changed for me like oh you don't have to keep doing this just because other people say it's good like if you're not if you're not feeling well in your body like psychologically or emotionally you can discover something else so then we really discovered like intuitive eating and sort of like dissecting toxic weight loss culture and so where I've been stuck is, like, how do I look at nutritious food now? Like, 
And so I'm very curious to get your perspective on, like, instead of throwing the baby out the bathwater here, like how I'm learning how to figure out how to view and value nutritious food without judging it, uh, without creating rules. Um, so I want to know if we can start there. Like, how does one go from being so strict about nutrition and labeling everything and judging everything healthy or not healthy to still valuing the nutrients that food can offer us, but not creating rules and psychological stress around that. So that's where you want to start, huh? <laughs> yeah, we'll just start in the shallow end of the pool. She's Let's like, go. great, cool. <laughs> Although maybe I should give you like, maybe I should actually ask you before we go right into my qu question is like, maybe you could tell us how you got into the work that you're doing. And then we'll go to the shallow end of the pool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally happy to start there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could give you a, a brief rundown just that, you know, when you talk about orthorexic um, adjacent, I too had an eating disorder and that's really how I got into nutrition myself. So I've always kind of going from my good food, bad food, disordered tendencies uh, that took me, you know, out of college to get treatment and go down that road of reevaluating, like, what am I going to do now? What do I want to do with my life? And I landed on, I want to help people. The way that my dietitian helped me rethink food and the way that I was approaching it. And I kind of felt like I had this like secret that other people didn't know. I was like, what? We can have this freedom with food and not have it be such a big deal. And we don't have to have all of these rigid rules and ways of eating. And it just felt so much better. And I felt like I could eat what I needed and I wasn't obsessed with certain foods like I had been in my disorder and, you know, doing all the different behaviors from restriction to binging to all the things. And I was just, wow, I have a secret now and I want more people to know about this. And so that, that's what took me there. And I went back to school and became a dietitian and uh, kind of what you were talking about in the intro. It is hard to meld these worlds. I felt like a lot of what I was doing in school was literally throwing out half of what they were telling me. Just like, mm -hmm. I don't want to absorb that. That's not a helpful way to think about it. But I had to get my degree. So I took that <laughs> on. I'm going to study, I'm going to learn it, and some of it can apply, but what do I need to really shift the way I'm thinking about the way they are teaching it? So um, that's how I landed. Being a dietitian, I knew I wanted to work with clients who were struggling with disordered eating or diagnosable eating disorders themselves. And I just, I started working at treatment centers. I eventually started my own private practice. And I still work with clients who are healing their own relationship with food themselves. And I do a ton of family work now, which I see as prevention and really shifting the way that we're viewing food and talking about food um, in our homes. I love that. So that, I mean, I feel like that's actually a great segue into my question. Like, you know, because that's what I was thinking about. Like when you're in school to be a registered dietitian, there's going to be a lot of quote unquote education around how we view food and a lot of that is wrapped up sort of in some of these toxic messages that we're all getting validation for for participating in that narrative so how do you dice how do we approach this if if you know how do we look at food in terms of its nutritional value without going down the road of judgment and and disordered eating yeah I think there's probably a lot of paths for how we can do that I going back to how you kind of originally asked the question, I think what's important to understand is that some people might be able to go from a rigid, what I'll call a disordered relationship with food on some level and be able to go into a more 
neutral way to approach food. But a lot of people have to really throw out everything at first. Just like, I'm, I'm not even going to think about nutrition at all. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm really just going to eat whatever I want because I need to can swing the other way because any sort of nutrition information is too close to those rules. Like it mm -hmm. just, it's too hard to separate. And so we really need to just go over here and kind of undo it all and just really practice being able to eat foods, see that I'm okay. Maybe even see how those foods make me feel, you know, just having zero judgment about it. And so for a lot of people, I think that's the first step, actually. And then we can kind of slowly work back towards, okay, now I can attune to my body cues a little bit better. And I think that's actually the key is still leaving out a lot of nutrition, actual facts and information, but attuning to our bodies. How do I feel when I eat this food, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's really the key of it is how do I feel if I eat, you know, tons of broccoli, not going to feel that great. Same like if I eat tons of ice cream or sweets or whatever it might be, not going to feel that great. So then we can start to notice our body signals and come back to a place that's more in alignment. And what it always comes down to, right, is variety. And so I don't know how much we actually need any real nutrition information. It's not that we can't apply it to some degree. But I don't know how much we really, really need it. I would so interesting. I would never have thought about that. Like from oh, a registered that. dietitian, like saying that, it's shocking. So can you like dissect this a little bit? Like tell me more about what you're saying. Yeah. So it's in, in being a dietitian, I don't want to throw that out entirely. I think that there's times that we need it, right? Uh, honestly, I met with somebody yesterday who is having some lab work that's really far off and we need to look and make some actual clinical adjustments. So there mm -hmm. are times when a client comes in and they have low, low iron stores. We need to recognize what foods have more iron. Let's work on boosting that up. Do you also need a supplement? How much do you need? Like there is a time and a place to apply nutrition information. Maybe I notice that I'm not feeling great. I don't have the energy that I need. Okay, let's look through. Are we getting everything that we need? Could we be deficient in something? Could eating a little bit more protein actually help with that? Or, you know, are my portions a little bit off? But a lot of that still comes from us getting other information about the way that we feel or something coming up on lab work that's showing us that something's off. Or if we just don't feel great about the way that we're eating, we feel compulsive about food, you know, we're not feeling in tune with our body cues. That's all information. But to just walk in and start saying like, I need to eat X number of grams of this each day and X number of grams of this, that entirely takes us away from being able to attune to our body cues, which I actually do believe is the best source of information for us. That that's so beautiful. That. And one thing I would say is, you know, just observing people as a trainer for a long time is like, you know, you start having somebody work out and their appetite goes up, their desire to consume protein typically goes up as well. And then of course, what do they do? They stuff that that intuition down and say, No, I've got to eat twelve hundred calories a day and it's gotta be all these different things, right? So I think what I'm hearing you say is if we were to remove kind of the belief systems that we've inherited and just listen to our bodies, what do you need? How do you feel when I consume these things? That inside there's a lot of wisdom there that's going to guide us towards things that are probably going to benefit our overall health and wellness in a positive way. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And then from there, we certainly can apply a little bit of information, right? But we usually don't need these 
in-depth or rigid ideas about exact number of grams and things. It's really mm -hmm. much more about like, oh, I am craving some more proteins or I am not having that energy. Maybe I never did learn what protein foods are. Okay, let me get some ideas. And then what are the foods that I like in that category? How might I incorporate mm -hmm. those a little bit more instead of just, I need to eat more protein. I heard that chicken is a lean protein. Let me eat that because, right? And like, it's just like applying these ideas that really are not taking into account who we are, what we enjoy, what our body is telling us as well. And that's that balance. I just think we need to lean more towards attunement with our body first and less towards these external ideas around how we should eat. How do we separate that, right? So like in, in fitness, the way I like to think about it is people get incredibly dogmatic about like the tools or the modality, right? Oh, do you do kettlebells or do you do body weight or you lift weights or you do high intensity? But and and fundamentally at WeShape, what we focus on is movement quality, right? And the way I've been trying to think about this is like, you know, if you're going to build a house, you need tools to build that house, but you also need plans that tell you how to build that house the way it was meant to be built so that it doesn't fall down. And to us, movement and movement quality is the plans. It's how your body is supposed to function properly. And the tools are like all the rest of the stuff. It doesn't really matter, right? If you, if you need to use a certain tool for a certain thing, that's totally fine. So how do you separate someone's ability to gain knowledge and awareness about the biological you know, underpinnings of the body? Because I can imagine that's incredibly useful to understand like this craving means this and this you know, protein is useful for this reason and carbohydrates are useful for this reason and fats are useful for this reason without then becoming incredibly dogmatic about what you're learning. How do you separate those? I think it's only dogmatic because of the way that our culture has applied it, where we could say, like, carbohydrates are quick energy. I love that. Be a fact. Like, there doesn't have to be judgment about that, but we have so much judgment about these things, right? And so that's really where it comes into play is how can we stop there? Like, carbohydrates are quick energy. End of sentence. So no more polarization and bad or good and black and white, right? They live in the gray and understand the principles for each thing and why it's useful. I want to go I want to go to how we... Okay. So I, I like to talk about... I'm glad that you work with families and children. And here's why. Because not that every single listener that we have has a child, but I feel like when we actually learn how to talk to children about this, we actually learn how to talk to ourselves. Because Absolutely. a lot of what we're doing is reparenting. So I would love to walk through a scenario, Nicole, because I have two little girls, five and 10. The 10-year-old was more used to the crazy health nut mom, um, <laughs> although she's so strong-willed, she doesn't give a shit. <laughs> she's like, whatever. We're not doing this anymore, uh, yeah. mom. So um, my five-year-old is a little bit more kind of like my temperament. So I, I luckily was breaking some of those patterns when she was still pretty little. Uh, but, you know, for instance, in the morning, I like for them to have nutrition before they go to school. Like, I don't want them to just have a piece of white bread with jam. And I and I want to figure out a way to communicate that. And maybe I'm just me. I'm also willing to be called out and you'd be like, just let them have the damn piece of white bread with jam. But like, I'd love to know that they went to school with like a yogurt bowl with hemp seeds and flax seeds and some fresh, uh, you know, berries and, you know. I just I would love to know that they got some protein and some things that had vitamins and minerals in it before they went to school. I'm also, again, really available for you to say, drop it. Like, <laughs> just let them have the damn toast. Well, I think it's a big conversation, honestly, so we'll just touch on the surface of it. But my first question would be if I was speaking to a client around it is, why do you want them to go to school knowing? Like, what is it about you that feels like they need to go to school with having 
the yogurt with hemp seeds on it or something like what's coming up for you and maybe it's nothing maybe it's just like I think that would give them more energy for the day great yeah maybe I've noticed that my older daughter when she only eats quick energy foods or high nice. sugar foods nice by the way uh <laughs> that she uh, has a really hard time like keeping control of her like impulse control I've noticed when we start the day off with higher protein and um not necessarily all my like hemp seeds and black seeds and whatever <laughs> but when I give her like a solid meal that has has like the basic macronutrients it includes carbohydrates as well but also like a, some protein I do notice that her physical body reacts differently um less with my younger one but I don't know if you have the same observation Tyler like when Ellie just has simple carbs absolutely so, off so the walls. both me and our oldest daughter have ADHD and um you know something I've had to become incredibly aware of is how nutrition impacts my brain's speed of operation. So, you know, one thing I think is useful for listeners is when we're talking about quick energy, which I just love that, um, you know, carbohydrates, sugars, things like that, that's quick energy. And if you have a quick moving brain, that means you're going to be running quick all the time. And if you have something like ADHD, what can help calm that quickness and slow down a little bit is grounding into things that are a little bit slower energy, more healthy fats, making sure you consume protein so that you have the proper neurotransmitters to kind of calm the brain. And then also, um, you know, consuming, I'd think, slower carbohydrates that aren't so quick burning at the end of the day. Um, so, I mean, I've had the observation of myself, which is why it's easy for me to agree with that. But still, this, this underpins this reality of like, how do you encourage someone to build this awareness in themselves when they're 10, right? How do you get them to distinct between um, enjoyable, palatable flavors and foods and what actually feels good to me, right? Because what feels good to them is what tastes good to them a lot of the time. And that becomes a marriage that's maybe hard to unwind. Although she did well. have a lesson a couple of weeks ago when we went and I let her and her friends get <laughs> yeah. Slurpees. I just said, absolutely, you can have all the red dye. Go for it. And she drank the whole thing and she puked afterwards. Yeah. And I was like, oh, With the Slurpees and a spinny ride. I didn't item. shame her. I didn't judge her. I just said, oh, that was your body really communicating with you. And then the next time we went, she didn't want it. So I, I'm, I'm available for her to learn her lessons, but I also feel like a little bit of like, you're going to school. We don't want to have to smoke a whole pack of cigarettes with her in order to know that's not <laughs> yeah. feeling good. Oh my know? gosh. So so I don't know. I, I, I hope, I don't know if we're overcomplicating this, but. No, it is, it's complex in a lot of ways because I do think it's really important for them to have those experiences. And I've seen this again and again with my children. I have three kids, five, eight, and 10. And I've seen them eat an entire bag of like gummy candies and not feel well. And then actually say to the other one, I don't know, a week later, I think it was. And I've seen this in different scenarios, not just this one time, but say a week later, probably you might not want to eat too many of those to the brother. Because remember when I did it, my tummy hurt really bad. Like they wow. learn they're learning so themselves much more from experience than our lectures. My ten. Wow. So, so are you saying like? Look at me and be like, okay, go sorry. Ahead. I was just gonna say, are you saying like if like you know the way I'm looking at this is like if I say to my daughter, you know, hey, you can have this amount of sugar each day, and like if I look at the emotional consequence of that, it's building this like, oh, like nobody ever let me do what I wanted to do, and so the lessons that they're inheriting are lessons that we want them to learn, but they're not viscerally learning these. They're learning them from a surface level, not from a true level. And if I just say, here's the bag. And she does it, and then she feels horrible. That's the lesson that she needs to learn in order to be more um, 
connected with her body. Well, that's a new decisions. level of surrender for me. Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up, though, because like I had a mom who was pretty neutral around food. Like we just ate a lot of variety in our house. And um, when I but there was one thing she would let me have and she would not let me have any hydrogenated oils. Like I had to read the labels in the store. Like that was just the deal. And when I moved out and it was like I was 18, like you better bet I took my ass to Costco and I bought like gushers <laughs> and you were still reading the labels. <laughs> you were like hydrogenated oils in the basket. In the basket. <laughs> it, it had to have hydrogenated oils. <laughs> process, the rinse bits, crackers, like whatever, like things I wasn't ever allowed to have in the house. And I ate many nutritious foods and had a lot of good, enjoyable experiences. We ate when we were hungry. She made cookies like there wasn't like a weird energy around it. But the minute I moved out, like first order of business, all I ate was Sara Lee bagels for like the whole day, many days in a row, like, and, and that's because it was what I was not allowed to have. And I, lo- I learned that because of her behavior that way. And I also think this is where it gets complicated because a lot of us can have learned behaviors, right? That's like part of being a child and learning from our, our parents. But then some of us have uh, atypical neurochemistry and that atypical neurochemistry sometimes led, lends itself to things like impulse control. So you can have like the best models but like, this is where it gets so complicated is like, I'm really available for Ellie just to eat whatever she wants. And she won't care that she has impulse control all day. She's so available she, for the impulse control. Maybe she control. won't care now because she's 10, but she might care a little later. And it might just take a little like more time. I mean, maybe Nicole has insight around that because I like what you're saying about the pendulum swinging, Nicole, and like how you kind of have to let maybe all the rules go and then kind of come back to center. Like maybe when she's not 10 years old anymore, she'll have a more like comfortable awareness around that. And then I just feel bad for all the, like, her teacher and us. It's like, sorry, we're just, we're practicing this, yeah. like, swinging of the pendulum. So we're just. Tell gonna, us what to do, Nicole. We're going to let her have gummy bears before school. So sorry. And then her teacher's looking at me like, but she's bouncing off the walls. So. Yeah. Uh, let's let Nicole chime in. Yeah, we're getting off. That. We're getting yeah. off here. You're all good. No, there's a balance, though. So when it comes to feeding kids, and this is helpful even for adults, I should say, because. Back up. When it comes to feeding kids, we want to provide a supportive structure for them, but then give them power and control within the structure. Mm-hmm. So we do not have to give them a free-for-all. All foods are available. You do not have to give your child gummy bears for breakfast. You might set them up by providing the toast with jam and some, I don't know, yogurt or sausage or eggs, whatever, right, that's going to provide some protein and maybe some produce. Maybe you throw some fruit in there and some fats, right? You're going to provide all of that, but we're going to still give them the control to eat the amounts that they want. So it doesn't mm. have to be a free-for-all. And when I was talking about the pendulum needing to swing the other way for adults, a lot of times it does. But that's not actually where, as adults, we want to live either, right? We want to come back in mm. being like, okay, now I'm attuning to my body cues. Have I eaten in the last few hours? How am I feeling, right? We want to create a system to check in with ourselves and be like, Am I nourishing my body regularly and consistently in a non-judgmental way with a variety of foods? Do I feel good, right? We're not wanting to live in this, like, throw everything right out with the bathwater. Who cares? I'm just going to go to 7-Eleven for all of my meals and snacks every day because I was never allowed to have 7-Eleven, which sometimes people need to do. But with kids, we're hoping we don't get them to that point because we're not creating the sense of reactivity when they're young. And that's exactly what you were talking about, Nina, around the reaction that you are having and then going and looking for those foods. So our whole goal when we're feeding kids is to provide a supportive structure, but not create a sense of restriction that then they need to rebel against or react against. So we still have to give them the freedom to have these experiences and we can do some gentle education. So like 
we never want it to be like, this is what's going to happen if you do this, because they're their own person. They have their own bodies. They have their own experiences. I've had many times when I thought my kids should eat something, but they were fine. They went on with their day and acted perfectly fine and nothing, nothing happened. Do you know what I mean? And so they're their own people and they get to have their own experiences. And as much as we think we know what that should look like, we don't always 100% know. And we need to allow them to find their way through it as well and to drop some of that control. So we need to know where our support should be and then where we let it go and let them figure it out. And so we were talking about breakfast, for instance, like my 10-year-old the other day said, I just want to have toast. I forget. He wanted to make something. He wanted to do, oh, we have like uncrustable cutters. If you don't have those, those are fabulous. Like where you can make at home your own uncrustable cookie cutter things. Oh, I see. Oh, right. Like we buy the bread and the peanut butter and all the things and then we stamp it with the things and make it uncrustable. Right. So my kids like that. And so he wanted to make one that just had jelly and Nutella on it and nothing else. And I was like, Okay, so like you can absolutely do that if that's what you want to have. Uh, and he didn't want peanut butter. I said, oh, I'll get out the peanut butter. And he's like, I don't want peanut butter. I just want jelly and Nutella. And I was like, okay, the reason I usually put peanut butter on it is because peanut butter has some protein. And that's probably going to help keep you full a little bit longer, help your body feel more satisfied. You could probably just feel better. But you can do whatever you want, honey. Right? So like I'm still providing gentle education, but it's not control. It's not this is the way you're supposed to eat. Um, and I've had a lot of clients come in to, you know, my world in their 20s or 30s and say, like, protein was so stressed in our family. You were supposed to eat your protein. You were supposed to eat your vegetables. And now they're just like, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to mm. eat the freaking chicken anymore. Like, I don't want to eat my broccoli because it was stressed that that's what was good. That's what you were supposed to do. So we can present some non-judgmental information without force or control. Hey there, if you're enjoying the WeShape podcast and you've heard us talk about WeShape before, then you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, what is WeShape? Well, at WeShape, we create personalized at-home workouts for every single one of our members. These are workouts where every single movement is customized to you to help you connect with your body and care for your body in a much more meaningful way. We also have a community of people there to support you, to help uplift you as you examine your beliefs, set new intentions, and again, start showing up for yourself as an act of self-care rather than trying to do your workouts as an act of self-judgment. And hey, if you're a fan of the podcast, we also do a live podcast discussion group on Zoom, as well as other Q&As, as well as free challenges for all of our members to help you get motivated to actually start taking action to caring for yourself so you can feel better in your body and about your body. So if you want to try WeShape for free for two full weeks, go to WeShape.com backslash podcast and you can get started today. How, how do you how do you meal plan this, right? Because the thing that I notice is like um, in a perfect world, you would give a child a sense of autonomy. Like you're saying, you, you create a container and you say, here's a sense of autonomy. And like, you know, Katie and I have two young children. We're running a startup business and we're trying to have enough space for time with our friends, time with each other, time to work on ourselves and self-care. And it's just, just a lot, right? And so, you know, part of what helps the structure of our week function is is planning in advance of things. And as an adult, it's much easier to say, I'm going to eat chicken and broccoli on Thursday or whatever, right? And, and come through the week like that. But with a child, they're going to be a little bit more, what's, what am I feeling right now in the moment? What do I want to experience? So how, how do you do that? Is there a strategy that you have for- She's saying you just, the parent, it? you give them the meal and then you just don't force it. 
Well, I, well, I, I don't know. Let's let's let her ask. I'm just curious because if I because I just have a, an observation. I'm just trying to tell you our kids yeah. are not doing the yeah. dinner planning. No, so like that's <laughs> a circuit. <laughs> at ten years old, though, I can give my daughter a dinner and she'll just walk away from it. You know what I mean? She won't be there. So like to me, if that's not really holding space for their own autonomy in this. So like I don't know what your strategy is for creating that. Like for oh example, yeah, Ellie dinner. just wouldn't eat all day. If, but is she yeah. just, like not hungry? You think? She just if she doesn't like it, she'll just walk away and not eat it. Or she'll start yeah. eating snacks out of the cabinet or something like that yeah. instead. So anyways, I'm just curious what you would, how would you approach that, Nicole? So we do want to have some structure around food. And that's where it comes into play where like we wouldn't want to give free access to the cupboard. And we would say like, this is what we're having for dinner. You're welcome to eat it or not eat it. And, you know, we'll have snacks again tomorrow or whenever the next time would be. But those foods aren't available right now. These are what are what's available. With that said, we really want to take into account our children's preferences, and we're not going to serve them some random casserole they've never had or they hated last week, and we're like, here's dinner, here's this, and those gross green beans you hate, and too bad I'm the parent I chose, right? We really want to be thoughtful about what we're putting out and always create what I call, what we call in kind of this world, you know, like a safe food, a sense of safety for the child, that there is absolutely something on the table that you know they like, even if they don't necessarily want it in that moment, but it is safe enough that they would eat it if they were really hungry. Mm. With that said, you also have to know your child. And so you might take into account and let them do the meal planning with you, right? Right. Children are, what I would say, they're impulsive. They're, they And they seek out what's convenient and comfortable. So it isn't their job to do the meal planning, right? Like we don't want them doing that because they're going to be like, here's all the packages of granola bars and here's the, right? They, they're not going to stop and like make a bunch of food and think through, does this have protein and carbs and fat and all the things that are going to be filling and satisfying? That's And that's not their job. They're not supposed to. So we want to do that. With that said, though, if we're making something, we might say, oh, what would be a good side dish for this? Do you want X or Y, right? We know they like those things. Or, hey, I'm making this. I don't know if it's your favorite. Do you have an idea for something that we could add to the table? So we can take their preferences into account. But at the end of the day, we're still the parent. And that's still our job to provide that structure and support to them. Okay. That's, that's, that's helpful. helpful. That's super that's helpful. helpful. Get them in the meal plan. They can help support, but they won't lead yeah. the meal planning. <laughs> I, I, um, I have a, a theme that I'm seeing emerge in this, which is um, which is kind of the language we tell ourselves in a lot of ways. And I think that generally speaking, people's uh, experience of the world is filtered through our language of, of what we're telling ourselves inside of our minds and, and what we're saying to others as well. And one of the most useful parts of having experts on the call to talk to is to circumvent the need to learn how to have those languages um, with trial and error, right? There's just somebody could spend their whole life trying to trial and error their way through changing their language in a way that supports them being more intuitive about their eating. And so I've heard you say a few things on this call already. Um, you know, carbohydrates are quick energy, um, including someone in, hey, what side dishes do you think might go well with this uh, main dish? Um, I'm just wondering if maybe you'd be willing to share some of the things that you use on a daily basis with your children that might be also a tactic to reparent yourself. Um, some of these languages that we could say, instead of saying something like this, here's the way we can we can say it to ourselves so that we can start to repattern our neurology moving towards a greater sense of um, freedom and wholeness in our choices around nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's some basic things. So one is... I call it like language do's and don'ts, which which is just about how we're labeling food in general. So 
it's about the way we talk about food and labeling food. We just want to call it simply what it is or a concrete category for it. So we might label food um, an apple, a cookie, right? Like we just call it by its name or we can call it maybe something by the way it tastes or its texture. It's sweet. It's crunchy, right? Like we can categorize it in that way. What we don't want to do is provide any label that carries any judgment. And I mean even positive judgment. So we don't want to call food healthy versus unhealthy. We don't want to call food green light food. You know, we see for kids, especially stoplight foods, red light, yellow light, green light. We don't want to call it green light. We don't want to call it growing food or fun food. We don't want to label it anything other than concrete terms about what it actually is, the category it's in. It's a fruit. It's a vegetable, right? It's a grain or something about its quality taste, texture, et cetera. Does that make sense for a jump? Yeah, so, so we're not applying we're not applying judgment or any sort of presupposition of the emotional content that that food might generate for us. Because we've been saying fun foods on, you know, more sweet types of things as a different way to say unhealthy foods, right? But then it's like, I, I feel like what I'm hearing you say is, that you're, you're telling them how to feel. Foods. There's yeah. unfun foods. It's still, you're stuck in black and white, right? Exactly. So even those terms like fun foods still imply, well, two things, right? That Exactly. That there must be then a unfun food. And what is that? Your broccoli or something? So now we're just automatically labeling like vegetables or whatever those other foods are is unfun. Something you just have to do. You have to get unfun foods. I'm sorry, Katie. This is burning our whole current philosophy. We're going to have to retool here. Oh, my God. Retool up. Yeah. And it can create an emotional reaction as well about like, those are so fun, you know, and now it's this like quality that we've given them that they're up on a pedestal. They're fun. Every time they're around, I should want to have them. And now they're 20, 30 years old and they're just like, I don't want to eat any unfun foods. I only want to eat fun foods. It right? sounds like you're using like a neutral approach. Super neutral. Yeah. Very. Yeah. 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 So okay. You can call them sweets. You could just say like, you know, and I don't know the context that you're using it in, but you could say something like, are we feeling like something sweet right now? you know, or something crunchy, like, and just taking foods out of that category altogether of like, these foods that we've labeled as fun foods have their own category. How about we just call chips still being a grain or right? Mm -hmm. Like we don't have to even have them have their own category that we're just trying to neutralize. Like, I think we get caught up in, okay, I know I don't want to label them as junk food or bad food. So let me come up with this other name that doesn't sound so crazy. Right. So bad. It's the same thing. But like, it's <laughs> yeah. the same thing. Creating a category about certain types of foods. The idea of thinking about a chip as a grain, like, just kind of blew my mind. Yeah, I'm like, that's yeah. a treat, or that's like a junk food or processed food, whatever. But like, I was like, a grain. Like, there are grains in chips. <laughs> like, yep. it did not occur to me. <laughs> and so, when you, I'm hearing you say, like, keep it neutral, keep it descriptive. And then I've also heard you say that when you're, when you're preparing food with your children, that's the opportunity to create some sense of education, but you're not doing it from a perspective of uh, right, or like wrong. right or wrong. You just might be saying, oh, like, you know, hey, oh, you're feeling like a snack right now. You're feeling like a crunchy snack. Um, well, this is a crunchy snack that might be easier to digest and give you uh, like give you, you know, better energy. This might be a, a, a snack that um, makes you feel really, really a lot of energy really fast. Like, what do you choose? Is that is that kind of I feel like I'm butchering this, by the way, but I'm trying when kids are getting into that tween age, we might start talking to them a little bit more about that when they are approaching like 10, 11, 12. And then obviously as teenagers, they're going to have even far more freedom, right? But when they're younger, 
we don't even want to give them choices like that or get involved in educating. That's just too much. Like I was, we don't need to burden our kids with thinking about food in that way. Like, should mm-hmm. I be eating this? Should I not? Is this going to be helpful for me? Is this not? Like anything like that. So when they're five, seven, nine, whatever, and, and it also depends when I say that nothing's black and white. It's not like they turn 10 years old and now they can do this, right? It's really getting to know your kid and it's usually a gradual evolution of just how things unravel in your family in that way. Um, but when they're younger, we just provide the food for them. We don't need to talk about it. We just provide. I say it's set it and forget it. So we come up with the snack options, but we give them a few of them. And so we might give them, uh, yeah, chips, veggies and hummus and cheese sticks on the table. Let's say we put those out and they can just come and they can eat whatever they want from it. And if they're like, I want the other food or whatever, you can be like, this is what's for snack actually today. Tomorrow, maybe we'll have X, Y, and Z, right? So you do hold a boundary in that moment. If they're freaking out or whatever, you just, this is what's available right now. Maybe we'll have that tomorrow or maybe we'll have that later. Yeah, absolutely. Because and this is nuanced, but there's so many reasons for that. One being that kids don't always know what they want and they are trying to maybe get in a power struggle with you. And we all know there's a three-year-old, right, that might say, I want an applesauce pouch. You give them the applesauce pouch. They take one thing of it. And they're like, now I want crackers. You give them a cracker. They take a bite. Oh, I don't want that anymore. Like we could be in the kitchen and dealing with food in this back and forth with them forever. That's just what they're like when they're toddlers in that age and four, <laughs> yeah. five, right? Like, so we want to hold a boundary and say, this is what's available for you. You're welcome to eat it or not while being very thoughtful of their preferences and while providing them that variety of food options and keeping food fun for them. That's how they're more encouraged to eat it. And as they get a little bit older, that starts to shift a little bit. But even when they're still seven, eight years old, we're still holding boundaries around food. This is what's available. Again, we might get them involved in the planning if they come in and they say, um, I want chips for a snack or something. You might say, sure, let's put chips out. And then you also grab other food and say, and I'll also put out some X, Y, and Z. Now it's just available for them. We've made it convenient for them without, if you want chips, then you also need to eat something healthy. Or I've had, you know, friends or clients say, so me like, well, I'll tell them that if they want to have a pantry food, they also have to have a fridge food. Like, well, that still is dictating what they need to eat. And it's still creating some sort of judgment about if you want this, you have to earn it by eating this. Right. Mm-hmm. So we just want to put it out and say, hey, I'll put out some other food to go with it. That's it. Then your hands are done. You just allow them to then navigate the food from what's available. We are making it easy and convenient for them to have that variety without dictating it or making them have to feel like they have to earn it or create some sort of judgment. Man, unlearning like, is hard. It's hard. <laughs> it seems like quantity of options could be really useful here, too, because I'm just thinking about, you know, for a dinner, we have, you know, three, four things. Right. And it's like if you have three, four things like you just might swing and miss on all of them. But if we had some other things that may not be something you have to put out and that you can't also put away so it's not wasteful or anything like that, like, you know, just even like something like putting olives and carrots and some other stuff on the table and it's just like, okay, they don't want any of this food. Like there's there's other options here that might be useful to them. Is that is that something that you practice is, is kind of more variety, especially maybe as they're younger and a little bit more um, impulsive, I guess? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I... Like you said, we want it to be easy. We don't need to create five different meals and we don't want to overly cater to them so that they're never encouraged to try something new because we're thinking, oh, they'll never eat this. I'll just make them the mac and cheese or the chicken nuggets or the whatever. We don't want to cater to them in that way either where we're always making them this completely separate meal. But if we think, 
yeah, these options might not be something that they're really going to want. I can certainly put out a little platter also that has some crackers and cheese and olives on it or something like that. And that can easily go with it or a fruit and veggie tray that we know they like that maybe has some dip, something that's easy and convenient. We're not trying to stress ourselves out by creating so many other meals or trying to hit the mark on everything, but just creating a meal. And I always say, you know, this is like your whole family food ecosystem where it's some meals, some people are favored a little bit more than others. Like there are times when we might center ourselves in the meal. I love Thai food. I haven't had that in so long. My kids don't really like it. I'm still going to make some sort of Thai dish, but I'm going to make sure that there's also, I don't know, sourdough bread on the table and a fruit and veggie tray or whatever, or I'm going to leave out some plain chicken because they like plain chicken and they can have that, right? But we're not going to create a whole separate meal for them now and say, you would never like Thai food, so here's your meal. We want to give them the opportunity and say, hey, this is the whole dinner. Do you want to try the Thai food? Do you want to have some fruit, right? It's just all out and available to them, but without creating so much extra effort. And then other times we might cater towards them. Maybe our kids love hot dogs and we don't, but we're still going to honor that. And maybe we make sure that we put out chili with it because we like chili and now we have hot dogs with chili that everybody has available we don't have to eat the hot dog if we don't want we could have a bowl of chili with something else with it right and everybody can be happy so we're constantly trying to kind of do this balancing act without it being separate meals but making sure that everybody has something available to them Mm, that's beautiful i love that i I think that it just i think what it comes down to is that it just takes a little bit of time a little bit of mindfulness and a little bit of planning And I think if we can do that, then we've already set ourselves up. And so I think that it's just one of those things you have to unlearn and it's not going to happen overnight. And so I think these are phenomenal tools. Um, I I know we're kind of coming up on a little bit of time and I really want to ask this question. Get it, girl. So I'm going to pivot a little. Are we going back to adulthood here? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I feel like all this stuff applies to adults. It's like all a level of reparenting. Can I say one thing? It's not a question. It's just a comment. I just, uh, my father-in-law always says more is caught than taught. And so I can imagine that one of the most important things you can do if you want your kids to have a balanced approach to nutrition and um, have intuitive eating is just do that in yourself and be a good example for that. And so maybe we bring it back to adulthood and you ask your question. We here we go. go back there. to adulthood yeah. here. Um, we had a question on here that was, is intuitive eating a new fad diet in of it, in itself? Like, is that just a new thing that we're all clinging to that is now just going to be something that we're having to unlearn later on? Um, I, I don't know if you could speak to that because I think that that is, that's actually, that question has come up for me. Like, oh, we, we think we have found the final solution. Yeah, like, how many grail. Done, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Paleo, keto, like the whole 30, whatever, like, you know, anyways. Yeah. I think it could be when it's rigidly applied or when it's used for things like weight loss. So I think it is getting, it's, it's a buzzword out there now, mm. but it's not necessarily being used with its intended pur- purposes in some arenas. So it really depends on how it's being used. And I have clients that come in and we have to talk a lot about that because they feel like they're doing intuitive eating wrong. Like mm-hmm. that is not it. Let's throw out the word intuitive eating though, then, right? This is all about you attuning to your body cues and learning to trust yourself again with food and not having any judgment about who you are, whether you're doing good or bad, whether you're worthy based on what you eat. So we can throw out that whole idea of intuitive eating if we want and really just get back to how do we neutralize things? How do we not judge ourselves? How do we attune and trust ourselves? 
Mm. That's, I love so, the neutral statement, like yeah. just the neutral. Like we talk about body neutrality and like I didn't really think about the food neutrality factor, but food neutrality, like we're not going to call them anything. We're just going to be like, this is a grain. Like it is. I just it. the idea that we're just we're like a, we're human beings obsessed with judgment. And it's like everything is so rooted in judgment. We just love to put things in boxes. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I. It feels like, it feels like, um, you know, we get obsessed with this notion of um, like good and bad. And we get obsessed with these notions of like, um, you know, somebody needs to show me what the best thing to do. And it's like the way I think about it, especially with We Shape, because, you know, I teach, I teach fitness, I teach movement, I teach people how to um, move their bodies the way that it's supposed to move so that they, they feel better in their bodies. And then people look at you and you teach somebody something and they start to go, oh, like, you're the guru. And I'm like, that is the wrong place to be. It's like, how do we teach you to be your guru? And to me, with something like intuitive eating or awareness of movement and how it should feel in your body, the fundamental principle here is, does this bring you back to yourself? Does this bring you back to connecting with you? And if, if somebody's out there preaching this and using buzzwords and they're taking you away from feeling inside you, connecting with your body, connecting with your needs, then... That, that feels like the wrong direction to go within. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it's all about, right, is getting back again in touch with ourselves and trusting ourselves and knowing that we sometimes eat in a way that doesn't feel good. And that's okay, too. We learn from those experiences, right? There isn't this right or wrong. I'm doing it wrong because I ate too much at that meal. No, that was just information for you. <laughs> like, we've put so much onto food and body size and all of these things. And it's it's just, it's not, right? It was just one experience. But because of the way that we give so much power to food and nutrition in our culture, it's like who you are and it's conversations left and right, right? I'm always like, get me out of here. I don't want to talk about what you ate anymore, what your new plan is or any of that crap, right? It's, it's just, it's so embedded in our culture to think of it that way, but it's just an experience with food. It's, it's nothing more. I love that. I just mathed this in my head and I had this moment of realization that we're going to eat like 100,000 meals in our life, right? Like what a trip. Like you're going to eat 100,000 meals in your life, right? Like what the heck are we doing getting so caught up in one, one meal being right or wrong or the judgment or, of it, right? Or 100,000 meals being right. I mean, right, it's yeah, just, it, yeah. it's it's not about what it's, it's, I think what she's saying is that like, there's just judgment in all of it. And so if we can step back and realize that we are raised in a society and a culture that teaches us to judge food, yeah. teaches us to give our power to food, that also is empowering us to recognize that we can actually go a different way and we can unlearn some of those behaviors so that we do not give so much power and judgment to food. Enjoy and appreciate yeah. our days and our and lives. We can. There's, there's a, it's like we talk about, I, we, we say this all the time, that study where they found how many different ways there were to do the dishes and there was like over 200 different ways. It's like if there's 200 ways to do the dishes, there's like more than one way to think about food. Mm -hmm. And I think that we just all click subscribe to the same button that our culture told us to subscribe to. And there's, there's thousands of perspectives that we can take that better serve our psychological and emotional well-being and physical well-being. It's like all connected. So, Nicole, it's been such a pleasure to have your perspective. Um, I, I love your approach. I love the work you're doing with children because it, it, it really can apply to adults. And I think a lot of adulting and growing as an adult is reparenting yourself. So I think that that content around how we approach children with food can be completely applied to how we approach ourselves with food. So 
Thank you so much for all of your, your insight and your perspective. And where can our listeners find you? Thank you. Um, yeah, it was so fun being here and, and talking through all of these things. Thank you for having me. And I totally agree. I get people on Instagram is a great place to connect with me, Nicole Cruz RD, who will message me all the time and say, yes, I don't have kids and I'm learning to reparent myself mm-hmm. just by using right these principles, these um, this language right with myself. And so I 100% agree. And for some people, their kids is the motivation to start doing the work themselves, right? But it doesn't have to be. And I encourage everybody to do the work because it is so much more freeing when yeah. you can approach food in a relaxed way and really open up space for so many other things in your life. And of course, do it for your children because we want to set them up by planting those seeds young. So um, shift these cultural you. values. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we can Absolutely. do it. <laughs> Well, thank you again, Nicole, and thank you everyone for listening. If you have any comments or want to weigh in on this conversation, a couple ways you can get in touch with us, uh, podcast at weshape.com. We also, if you're part of the WeShape community, we have a weekly podcast discussion group. Uh, Nina and I host it's live. It's, it's a live <laughs> Zoom call. We host those calls where we sort of like, the, after this episode's released, we, the net, these episodes are released on Wednesday. The following Tuesday, we always have a discussion really meaningful insight. So if you're not a part of the WeShape community, check out WeShape.com and we will see you guys next week. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, remember that right now you can sign up for WeShape's Feel Good Challenge and get access to everything WeShape has to offer for free. Just click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash challenge to sign up.